Alrighty, good morning. Can you hear me? We're getting there. Kids, if you are still in here, you are so welcome to go into kids' ministry. We know that they have got lots of fun things planned for you, and I'm afraid I cannot live up to the same level of shine expectations, so I'd, I'd go there if I were you. Okay, I'm going to move backwards a little bit so that I can see everybody. Um, welcome. Uh, it is awesome to be up here. For those of you who don't know, um, my name is Helen. I'm married to Christian. We have three beautiful, although I'm biased, children, and uh, we are part of the eldership team here at Glenridge, and this is home for us. Um, and it is great to be up here this morning continuing in our Holy series. So I'm letting you know that's what we're doing. I'm just, am I too far back? Okay. If I'm not looking at you, apologies. Remind me. Wave at me. Um, so we are working through a series called Holy, and I am going to be... Hello, Hilton. Thank you. Um, there's always one. There's always one. And it's always Hilton, yeah. So I'm going to be continuing in the Holy series this morning. And before we get started, I just want to say three things that I'm super excited about this morning. The one is that I remember to take my dangly earring out before I'm preaching, so it means you're not going to listen to that annoying clickety-clackety noise that it made the last time I preached, and um, it was knocking against the microphone, so win for me. It's not that I have forgotten to put an earring in, it's that it's in my pocket. The second win is dresses with pockets, because I got here and I thought, oh no, I'm not going to be able to use the handless microphone because I've got nowhere to put the microphone pack but dresses with pockets for the win. So that's another victory this morning. And thirdly, what I want to say that I'm super excited about is that I just absolutely love Jesus. I just am blown away by how awesome he is and how beautiful he is. And I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. And this morning, if I can help any of you just fall in love with him just a little bit more on a little bit more of a deeper way and have a freedom to love him more then I will consider this a blessed morning and I will go home and celebrate and I start with Jesus because he is what I want to talk about this morning and the title of my message is freedom to pursue holiness because I don't know about any of you but over the last couple of weeks as we've been going through this holy series, I have felt a certain amount of um, trepidation and nervousness and uh, concern and worry. Because as soon as someone starts to speak about God's holiness and about us being holy as he is holy, I, began, I begin to feel a little bit inadequate is the word that I would use. And I don't know if anybody else can relate to this or if I'm just sharing too much, but I'm hoping that some of you also can relate. And even in preparing for this preach this morning, full disclosure, I have felt a little bit like Moses, who has been crying out to the Lord, saying, who am I? Please send someone else. Because God's holiness is not something to take lightly. It is not something that is without a great weight. And I think for me, I felt a little bit like you may as well just tell me to walk out of here now and go climb Mount Everest 
because that is how insurmountable it has been feeling to me to be holy as God is holy. And so this morning, I am going to be speaking about Jesus. And my heart's desire is that each of us would have a revelation of the Holy One that is Jesus, who makes all things possible, and through whom each of us can have a greater freedom to be walking into and pursuing holiness. Does that sound okay with you? Well, that's good because it's tough luck otherwise because I have nothing else prepared for you. So let's dive in. A few weeks ago, Christian and I were sitting on our couch at the end of a long day having a nice catch-up. And um, I suddenly hear this, or I spot out of the corner of my eye, one of my children crawling across the floor from the lounge into the kitchen. And who wants to hazard a guess as to which of my three children it was? Esther! That's it! And um, so I look and I see Esther, commando style, dragging herself along the floor. And I know immediately what is going on here. You see, because for dinner that evening, I had given uh, the, the children carrots as part of their dinner. And Esther had promptly informed me when I gave her her plate that she doesn't like vegetables. And so as I listened to the scuffling of this little body dragging itself across the tiles, and then I listened to the click of our bin lid opening, the thud as the carrots hit the bottom of the bin floor, and then the click as the bin lid closes, we then suddenly hear this delighted little, Mummy, I've finished my dinner. <laughs> so I say, wow, well done. And even your carrots, I finished my dinner, Mummy. I say, okay, and your carrots? I finished my dinner, mummy. And at this point, she is like moving, sliding and sidling away and past us, trying to get away from us and into the safety of the lounge. And I continue, and I push on, and I say to her, Esther, did you eat your carrots? Yes, mummy. Okay, so come here and open your mouth for me. Let's have a look at which point the eyes go wide and there's this mildly panicked expression on her face as she says, um, not right now, mummy, I'll do it later, and starts again to run off into the lounge. And I persist still and I say to her, Esther, if I look in the bin, will I find your carrots? Um, no, mummy, don't look in the bin today, maybe tomorrow, and she legs it into the safety of the lounge. So I'm sure you can guess where the rest of that story went, but you might be wondering why I'm telling you that story. Well, since the beginning of time, our response as humans, when we are found wanting, when we are found caught between a rock and a hard place, when we are found lacking and in sin, we do exactly the same thing as Esther did. We run away, and we try to hide what we have done. Genesis 3.8 says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. By eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
Adam and Eve had a revelation of who they were within the frame of reference of having a revelation of who God was. And it caused them to freak out. It caused them to understand that they were found wanting. And it caused them to run and to hide themselves from the Lord. And we do the same. You may not know it, but you do. We do the same. When we find ourselves wanting, when we find ourselves lacking, when we find ourselves falling shorty, shorty, short of the perfection of God's holiness, we find ourselves wanting to hide the gray areas, hide the areas that are wanting, and we try and hide ourselves. And I wonder how much of that hiding and that shame comes from images such as this one. I mean, just look at the look on God's face as he stares at them. Such disappointment. It's a weighty image. Such disappointment, and dare I say it, condemnation in his face. But we know that that's not the truth of how God sees us. Because God's first question to Adam and Eve was not what my first question is to my children when they've done something wrong, which is, what did you do? His first question to them was, where are you? God's first concern for them was, where were they in relationship to him? And his first concern for each and every one of us, no matter what you have done, no matter where you find yourselves falling short, and FYI, we are all falling short. God's first and foremost concern for you is, where are you? Are you hiding from me? And I want to tell you, it never works. I have just two points this morning that I want to share with you and I'm going to start with the first one by asking you a question. When did running away from God ever seem like a good idea? When did running away from God ever make it better? It didn't work for Adam and Eve. It didn't work for Esther and it never works for us. So my first point is that to pursue holiness, you need to run to Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, we read a story about a woman who had a revelation of who Jesus was, and she knew that running to him was the answer. The story is called Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman, and it says... When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. 
And Jesus goes on to tell him a story about a moneylender. Then Jesus turns towards the woman and says to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. And then Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven, and your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The custom at this time would be that a guest, uh, when a guest entered the house, the host would give them water for them to be able to wash their feet. And in certain circumstances, the, the host would actually even wash the guest's feet as well. The guest would be greeted with a kiss, and or they may even be given oil to anoint their heads with. Simon, the host, does none of these things for Jesus. He clearly shows his disdain and his disrespect for Jesus by avoiding all of the customs that were right at that time for him to show to Jesus. And then we have a woman who is known as the sinful woman. Can you imagine living your life with that label hanging over you? The sinful woman. That's what everybody knows you as. I wonder how many of us this morning are living under our own labels. The daft one, the stupid one, the unworthy one, the one that makes all the mistakes, the lustful one, the inappropriate one, the dumb one. How many labels are we living under? This morning, I want to see freedom from some of those labels, some of those labels that are holding us back and hindering us from stepping into pursuing holiness in the way that God wants us to and in the way that Jesus gave us freedom to. But this sinful woman is eager to greet Jesus as an honored guest. And in fact, she honors him as more than an honored guest. She honors him above and beyond as the ultimate guest. And why? What is the difference between her and Simon? She's had a revelation of who Jesus is. And it's changed everything for her. As she stands behind Jesus, she begins to weep because she has understood what the others in the room have not, that Jesus is holiness. This is a woman who knows that she is sinful, and yet she sets aside all of her pride, any shame, any guilt, which I'm sure she must have been living with, and she chooses to run to the feet of Jesus. And this would not have been an easy thing for her to do. She is entering a Pharisee's home. So it's expected that she would have been met with judgment, with scorn, with accusation. They would quite possibly have tried to block her from coming into the house. And yet she perseveres and she persists because she wants to pursue the Holy One. And she knows that being with him will give her real freedom. I love 
this picture. I just love the raw, real vulnerability, repentance, and adoration in her face. This is a woman who truly sees who Jesus is and honors him as the Holy One. I want to say to you this morning that there will always be people who will accuse you, as Simon did of the woman. But as Dr. Sue says, those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't mind. God's opinion is the only one that counts. And as Christian has spoken about this morning, one of the promises that you can stand on is that God loves you and that he is faithful. And there's no but and however. God loves you but only if. God loves you however. You better make sure that you're perfect at all times and in all ways. God is a both and. A both and God. And I'm jumping ahead, so I'll go there in a minute. This morning, are you ready to stop running? To stop hiding your sins and your imperfections? And we all have them. Why do you think it was so hard preparing this message? Because as you begin to preach on the topic of holiness, you see how far you fall short. I'm preaching this to myself. Am I ready to stop running and hiding my sins and my imperfections till such a time as I get my life in order? And then I can come to the feet of Jesus because then I'll be worthy. No! I am made worthy now because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of Jesus, I get to come to Jesus' feet. It's this beautiful picture of perfection, perfect grace and redemption. There are some of you here this morning who've been hiding behind your sin. And you've asked forgiveness, and it has been given but you are choosing to keep a distance from Jesus and you are allowing your old sin, your old ways, your old imperfections to prevent you from moving into greater intimacy with the Lord and pursuing a holy lifestyle. And today I want to encourage you to leave your sin at the holy feet of Jesus once and for all because today it is time to move forwards. Which leads me to my second point. To pursue holiness, you must allow your story to be redeemed and use it to bring in the harvest. John 4 tells the well-known story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And it says from verses 5, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink... You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is, uh, what you have just said is quite true. And I'm going to pause there for a second. If you know this story well, then you know that Jesus' meeting of the woman at the well at noon is particularly relevant. No one in their right mind goes out in the midday noon sunshine. Come on, we live in Durban where no one goes out at noon in, in January and February. There is a reason that she's going to the well at noon. And it is because she is not welcome to go to the well when the rest of the community go to the well. Because she is a sinful woman. We have another one here. And so she chooses to go to the well at noon so that she can be on her own. Jesus speaking to her, as it says in the text, is another relevant thing. Because the Jews and the Samaritans did not get on. And then Jesus shocks her even more as he reveals to her that he knows her sin and then he chooses to reveal himself to her as well as the Messiah. Jesus knows what she has done. He knows her sin as he did with the sinful woman in Luke 7 and as he does with each and every one of us here. He already knows what you're hiding from him. He's already seen it. You can't shock him. And yet, he continues to speak with her, and he reveals himself to her, and he chooses to continue to speak to us and to reveal himself to us. If you look at the two pictures here, one at the top left of this incredulous confusion on this woman's face, as this stranger tells her her most shameful secrets, as he tells her all of her deepest, darkest things that she's been hiding. And then in the bottom right, the beautiful joy on her face as she realizes who Jesus is. And these, I can imagine it's like these little cogs turning as she suddenly realizes that this man who is the Holy One, who can give her living water, knows all of the things that she's done and yet still offers to give her living water and this beautiful freedom and joy that comes from it she has a revelation of who jesus is and and this is important it moves her to action she rushes to her village and she tells her community come and see a man who told me everything i've done and what happens next is what must happen for each and every one of us. It's written there in verse 39. Many 
of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. For those of you that were here on Sunday evening at our pop-up service, you will have heard Gary sharing his testimony. And you will have also seen that it was an incredibly powerful night where many people were set free of their own sins, their own labels that had been holding them back from pursuing holiness of Jesus. People encountered God in a deeper way and were set free of things that had been keeping Jesus at arm's length. And I use that wording intentionally. We are the ones who keep God at arm's length. It is never, ever the other way around. No matter what you have done, from the beginning of time, God has been saying, where are you? And inviting you to come close to him again, because that is where we find healing. That is where we find restoration. That is where we find freedom and forgiveness. As Gary shared his past on Sunday evening, he stepped even further free of it. And in doing so, Jesus was able to declare his future. One of the most powerful things that we can do is share our testimony. And it feels terrifying and it feels raw and we feel exposed and we feel vulnerable. But in that place of vulnerability, God gives the greatest freedom, it gives God the greatest amount of freedom to move. In our weaknesses, he is strong. And the word testimony actually means do it again. And so as we share our testimony, we begin to, as we share the highs and the lows, we release the Holy Spirit to move in the circumstances of those who are hearing that story. And it gives him the power to do it again. And we see this happening when Jesus brings the Samaritan woman's story into the light. And he brings it into the light, warts and all, by the way. And the community that she's been shunned by actually turn towards her and they listen. And then they turn towards Jesus and they meet him. If we go back a few verses to 35 to 39, Jesus says to his disciples, Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. So I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. We are to be like the Samaritan woman who does not waste her story who does not allow herself to be bound by her previous sin, but who uses her revelation of Jesus as the Messiah and as the Holy One to bring in the harvest. I read this quote last week that says, God's holiness is a powerful force that must be treated with the utmost respect. At the same time, God's holiness is a gift that can heal a broken and impure world. As followers of Jesus, 
a part of God's holiness now resides in us as well. And it's our mission to go out and spread the holiness of God to all the world. Freedom to pursue holiness is for us, and it is also for those around us who need a revelation of Jesus in order to save their lives. So my message is called Freedom to Pursue Holiness, and what does that mean? It means I want to tell you with certainty that whilst God is separate from us because he is holy, he is also incredibly close to us as well. Like I said before, the beautiful thing about God is that he isn't a but and however, he's a both and. So he is separate from us in his holiness and he is close to us in his love and compassion. God's desire is for you to have freedom to pursue holiness and to reveal the holiness of God to those around you as well. There are some of you who are listening and you feel and you believe that you are like the sinful woman through the eyes of the Pharisees, I hasten to add. You believing that Jesus, if Jesus knew who you were, he would not touch you because you are a sinner. You are believing that to pursue holiness is an impossible thing because you've messed up. And I just want to clarify that there are big messes with big consequences. And that's usually the first place that we go to. We think of the big messes and the big far-reaching consequences. But we know that sin is sin. And that someone's murder actually is no different to my continual lying. The consequences of them are much bigger. But sin is sin. And so maybe your mess up is a big one with big consequences. Maybe your mess up is a small one. Maybe it's that you've got yourself into a tangle because you have not picked up your Bible in months and you don't feel like you can go and ask anyone because then you have to admit that you haven't been reading your Bible and all good Christians read their Bible all the time, except we don't. Maybe your mess up is that you swore at a driver in the car the other day. Maybe you repeatedly swear at drivers. Maybe you've got road rage and that's your mess up. Maybe you've been repeatedly lying to somebody. Maybe you, I was going to say you haven't been at church or a meeting for months before this one and it's been weighing heavily on you and even walking in this morning you felt a little bit, let me keep my head down and pretend that I've been here all along. All of these things are the things that are imperfections. All of these things cause us to fall short of God's perfect holiness. And all of these things can drive a wedge between us and him if, if we allow them to. And I want to tell you this morning that if you have been believing any of those things, then you are wrong. Your imperfections and your story does not disqualify you. Jesus qualifies you. He did it with the sinful woman. He did it with the Samaritan woman. And he wants to do it with each of us. We are going to 
listen to a song or sing a song together in a minute. But I really feel that for some of us this morning, there needs to be a line in the sand moment, that there needs to be a marker this morning of those labels that you have been living under for them to be wiped out, for them to be gone, for them to be revealed as the lies that they are. And I said at the beginning that my heart is that people walk out of here this morning unburdened and with a greater desire and freedom to start pursuing the holy life that you have been called for, both for God's glory and for the salvation of others. So I want to ask, firstly, if you are here this morning, because it would be remiss of me not to, if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, but you have been listening to this beautiful man who when you come to him he forgives your sins and he loves you and he gives you living water and you want to know this Jesus and you want to come to his feet if that is you this morning I would love for you to just raise your hand because I want to pray for you and if there's no one that's okay We never want to miss an opportunity for you to come to know Jesus. And then secondly, and I'm going to ask actually if everyone can stand.